Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Summit Church. It's so good to be with you. And we are in our Say What series. And this series is all about the fact that, uh, you know, people had known the Old Testament, especially the Jews in that day. They had known the Old Testament a certain way and certain specific things that God had taught people. Well, now Jesus came along teaching something so radically different that it makes you go, say what? And all this happened in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. So what I want to talk to you today is about what Jesus said about this particular topic in our Say What series. So 27 years ago, I was a sophomore in college. And I had made a commitment to myself that year that, you know, I was really trying to grow in my faith. I was a fairly new follower of Jesus. And I made this decision where, where I said, I'm just going to say yes to people. It just it doesn't matter what they ask me to do. I'm just going to say yes, because I feel like Jesus wants me to love people. He wants me to help people. So I'm just, whatever the case, I'm just going to say yes. And so in my naive perspective, I was thinking, well, this is the most loving thing to do. The most loving way to act is just to say yes, right? Well, it didn't take less than three weeks till I was exhausted. I couldn't fulfill everybody's needs. Saying yes was creating stress. And, and I was just so confused and I was just burdened. I wasn't even able to get my classwork done. I was having all kinds of challenges and just couldn't sleep well at night and just was questioning, God, is this really the kind of life you want me to live? And finally, I had a friend come up to me and say, Eric, you know, the fact that you're saying yes to everybody and everything means you're forgetting stuff. You're not able to show up and help people and you're not doing what you say you'll do which is making you have the appearance that you're untrustworthy. And when she said that to me, it was like a brick on my chest of going, and if you know me, I'm a, at least I like to think I'm a very responsible person. That hurt, that stung. And I went, that's not me. That's not who I want to be known for. I don't want to be known being untrustworthy trustworthy, right? So I made some big changes, radical changes, figured out that's not what Jesus wanted me to do uh, with my life that year. Um, And I learned a lot of painful lessons. But what I want to talk with you today is about being trustworthy. Being trustworthy, check this out. Being trustworthy gives us credibility in our faith quality in our relationships and consistency of employment. It gives us credibility in our faith, quality in our relationships and consistency of employment. The fact that Jesus even talked about this issue means for us our propensity and our, even our proclivity to be untrustworthy, to be untrustworthy. He knew that. So what does uh, being trustworthy mean? Here we go. Trustworthy means able to be relied on as honest and truthful, able to be relied on as honest and truthful. What that means is it means we do what we say we do. And if I'm not able to, I'm going to be honest and tell you that I can't do it. Trustworthy doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're honest and you're reliable and you're faithful. So this is the challenge that I, that I think that we have in our life is how do we become a trustworthy person? And the question that you and I ask every time we meet somebody in our lives, we ask this question, can I trust you? If you're in a relationship, you're asking, can I trust this person with my heart, my feelings, my future, right? You're asking that question. If you have a financial investor, you're asking the question, can I trust you with my money, 
right? If you have children, you're asking your partner, your best friend, the person you're married to, can I trust you with my children? If, if you're married, you're asking the question, can I trust you when we go out to eat and we split food that you're gonna stay on your side of the plate, right? We ask that question, can I trust you to stay on your side and not mine? As a matter of fact, being trustworthy, it's, it's really worse than, it was, being trustworthy is like having a virus. People don't wanna get near you. If you're not a person of your word, and if you don't consistently deliver on your promises, it's people kind of treat you like a virus. They kind of know, oh, you, don't, you probably don't want to trust him. You probably don't want to trust her. My experience has been this, or my experience has been this, or so-and-so's experience has been that. We're just kind of giving you a heads up that mm, you just might want to be careful and tread lightly before you get near that person. And what happens is we develop a reputation of being untrustworthy. And people begin to think of us that way. Um, at, at this point in my life, when I go out to dinner or stay at a hotel, one of the things I like doing is I like reading reviews. And I bet you're this way too. Before you go to a restaurant, before you go to a hotel, you wanna know what other people have said. In other words, is this place trustworthy? Like, are they who they say they are on their website, right? Think about this, if you had a website, if I had a website and people could rate us with stars, from one star to five stars of our trustworthiness. What would they say? What would they say about you? And what would they say about me? Let's be the kind of people and the challenge that I think Jesus brings to us today is I, is I think he's saying, I want you to be the kind of person that is trustworthy. But here's the problem that I think we deal with in our culture. In our culture, I think we have commitment issues. For some of us, we've self-titled ourselves this way. Others of us have titled this. They've seen what we've done in relationships and marriages and jobs. Do we show up on time? Are we always late? Are we constantly canceling? You know, we have commitment issues with our finances. Do we pay our debts? Do we pay our bills on time? Do we have a reputation as that? Or are we loafing off and are we being irresponsible? I think it all boils down to the fact that really, I think in our society, we have commitment issues. And, and here's what's funny. As a child, we learned how to say this quickly, right? I pinky promise and cross my heart and hope to die. We learned how to say that really quick. If people didn't believe our words, we would say, but, but I pinky promise you and cross my heart, hope to die. And we would learn how to overcompensate what we would say to make ourselves believable. And the result of the commitment issues that we have in our culture or that we have waivers, we have contracts, you know, everything's gotta be notarized because people just can't seem to be faithful to the commitments that they have made. So why does Jesus say this is a big deal? I think Jesus says this is a big deal for this reason right here. <clears throat> On the other side of a broken promise is a person or persons. On the other side of a broken promise is a person or a person's. In other words, we, lose, we break trust, we destroy trust when we're not trustworthy with people. We hurt people, we treat them like they don't matter, we're, we're disrespectful to them, and we may not always even see it, but that's what it feels like to be on the side of somebody who breaks their promises. It breaks people's Hearts. And here's the thing, as a Jesus follower, we represent Jesus and how we live. 
And I don't think he wants us to be the kind of person that goes around breaking promises to people and destroying trust. For a lot of us, we love someone dearly. We just don't trust them. Isn't that true? There are people in your life and in my life I love. I just don't trust them. And so I have to put boundaries in my life because of that. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Is the answer that I make everybody a promise and I try to fulfill all those promises? No, I learned from college that wasn't the answer. Is the answer that I don't make any promises and I try to get through life without making any promises so that I'm not ever uh, seen as untrustworthy? Nope, I don't think that's the answer either. I think the road that Jesus wants us to travel is the middle of the road on this issue. And I think the way that we learn to become trustworthy is that we figure out what specifically does Jesus want us to do and how does he want us to live when it comes to becoming trustworthy in our life. So stick around and we'll dive into some things Jesus said in just a few minutes. So Jesus was obviously known for stepping on people's toes in his teaching and he doesn't stop now. Check out this verse right here when he's talking to some religious leaders and all of, the, all of the countryside about what it meant to make a promise. This is what he says. He says, you have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. Now, I want to stop right here for just a second. In that day and time, a vow, just like today, was a promise. And people would make a promise, and then the, and they would swear by God's name, invoking God into the deal, invoking God into the promise to make it binding, okay? <clears throat> when they didn't want to make it binding, what they would often do is make a promise or a vow, in this case, but it means promise, and they would say something else by in heaven's name or in the name of Jerusalem or you know something like that to say, I'm not going to go as far to say invoking God into the deal, but I'm going to go far enough and use some eloquent language to let people know that I'm serious, but provide a loophole to get out of it just in case. So here we go. Jesus carries on teaching. He says, but I say, do not make any vows. Don't make any promises. Now, is he saying don't make any promises at all? No, that's not what he's saying. But let's carry on. Do not say, this is what he's saying. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say when you make a promise by the earth, I'm going to blah, 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 or by heaven, I'll promise to blah, blah, blah. He's saying, don't do that. Because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. And anything beyond this is from the evil one. What I think Jesus is saying here is I think he's saying don't intentionally manipulate and deceive people by your words. There's no need to use superfluous language to make your promise come across as more powerful or more meaningful. There's no need for that. I think he's saying, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. And here's the big idea. <clears throat> Simply doing what you say you'll do makes people trust you. Simply doing what you say you'll do makes people trust you. If you want people to start having faith and trust in who you are as a person, 
simply doing what you say you'll do makes people trust you. On the, on the opposite side of that, there's three phrases that we may hear all the time that we sometimes say when we're negotiating with people and we're trying to convince them of this. Check, check these three out right here. Sometimes we'll say, I, sw- I swear to God. My mom used to say, don't ever swear to God, right? We'll, we'll say, I swear to God, this is true. Or I swear on my mama's grave, this is true. Or I swear on a stack of Bibles. Anytime you hear somebody saying one of these phrases, you need to be careful because they're overcompensating and something may not be real true in what they're trying to say. The bottom line is, if you want people to trust you, simply just do what you say you'll do and people will trust you. Notice Jesus also said this. He also said this line at the very end. He said, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. What I find very fascinating about this just simple phrase right here is Jesus said, I want you to use a decision matrix in your life. In other words, when you make decisions in your life and when you say yes and no, what is the measure that you're going to use to determine in your life if you you should say yes or if you should say no in any given situation? I think that's what he's teaching here. I don't think he's just simply teaching, I want you to be trustworthy, although I think that's the whole theme of this particular passage. But I think he's also saying, I want you to use a wise decision matrix because you're gonna have to own and manage the decisions that you make in your life. The person that you marry, guess what? You're gonna have to own and manage that for the rest of your life. The children that you have, you're gonna have to own and manage that for the rest of your life. Your education, your relationships, your, your parents, you know, all those decisions that you make and the things that you commit to and the things that you say yes to and no to, you're going to have to own it and manage it for the rest of your life. And that's why I think, I think Jesus is saying, I want to, you to use wisdom and things that you should say yes to and things you, you should say no to. And I think, he's, I, I think he's clear to say, there are things I want you to say yes to in your life. And there's also some things I want you to say no to in your life too, because they're not good for you. So in light of the fact that Jesus wants us to say yes to some things in our life, our band's gonna come up and play a song. And it's called Yes, I Will. And I want you just in this song, I want you to just kind of lean in as you're listening to this and recognize the fact that there are some things that God wants you to say yes to. And just so allow this song as it's playing just to kind of wash over your spirit and just process it mentally and with your spirit to go, God, what do you want me to say yes to? And I'll be back in a minute. So guys, welcome back. And I want to talk with you in this section about what are some specific things we can do to become more trustworthy, uh, trustworthy to God, trustworthy to our family, trustworthy to our friends, our colleagues, the people that God's put in our life. What are some things that we can specifically do to become trustworthy? Because what we've learned is the more consistently I am with what I say and what I do, it's gonna make people trust me and you. So what are some specific things we can do? Question I wanna, the first question I wanna ask you is, what does my wake say about me, right? A lot of you have probably gotten out on the lake or in the ocean in a boat before, 
It's one of my favorite things to do in my life. And just as a boat goes through the water, it leaves a wake behind it. Check out this picture right here. Just as a boat goes through the water, it leaves a wake behind it. And as you can see, <clears throat> got a nice old skier here. He's having fun. But as you can see, there's a, there's a left side of the wake and a right side of the wake. And here's what I want you to be thinking about. Just like a boat goes through the water, you're, you travel throughout your life just like this. And you leave a wake behind you. And that wake, the left side is the, the responsibility theme of your life. The right side is the relationship theme of your life. And the question I want to ask you is, are you trustworthy? Are you trustworthy with the wake that you are leaving behind in your life? And here's the question I want to ask. With your responsibilities, are you trustworthy in the work that you do? Can people trust you to get your work done? Can, tr can people trust you to produce results? Like when, when it's time for you to make things happen, can you be trusted on to get results? And sometimes we can be so result driven that we just treat people like speed bumps in the relationships in our life. We just plow right over them, right? So let's be trustworthy in the responsibilities that we have. That's one part of the wake. But the other part of the wake is relationships. And are you trustworthy with the relationships in your life? And I think the challenge for you and I both is to look at our relationships and our responsibilities because they're both part of the same wake. And to ask ourselves, can I be trustworthy with both? Because both matter. I can't just be, you know, lovey-dovey and, you know, have wonderful relationships and not ever do my work on time. And I can't just do my work on time and treat people like speed bumps. I need to be trustworthy with both. So what does your wake, what does your wake say about me and you? Second question. In my current commitments, <clears throat> what beliefs are driving my behavior? In my current commitments, what beliefs are driving my behavior? The second picture I want to show you here is a picture of an iceberg. And you've probably seen this. You've, maybe you've been to some parts of the world where they have icebergs, right? Or you've seen pictures of them. But we all know that an iceberg, whatever you see on top, it's much larger, you know, on the bottom. And the question that I want to ask you is, this is a lot of what people see in your life. is the top of the iceberg. It's outside the water. They see your behavior. But what people don't often see with me and you is our beliefs under the water. And the question that I want you to think about is what beliefs are driving my behavior when it comes to me being trustworthy? When it comes to me saying yes and no? Am I saying yes because I'm afraid to say no? Am I saying yes because I don't have the courage to, to say no? I don't want to let people down and I'll just go along with it and then later regret it and beat myself up? Am I afraid of conflict and so I feel like I just need to go along with the crowd or can I stand up for myself and say what, what needs to be said? What beliefs are driving your behavior? What priorities are under the water that people can't see but that show up in your behavior? And I think, I think what Jesus would want you to do is I think his belief that you're a child of God and that you have a purposeful life for him he wants that belief down here and he wants that behavior to know what to say yes and no to up top. He doesn't expect you to say yes to everything or no to everything, but to know what to say and yes and no to. So, which brings us to our third question. <clears throat> what is getting your yes and no? I mean, think about this. 
What are you saying yes to? And is what you're saying yes to a noble cause in your life? Are the things that you're saying yes to making you a more faith-filled and larger person? Does that make sense? Are the things that you're saying yes to, are they time wasters? Are they stealing your joy and your purpose in your life? Are the things that you're saying no to, are those the, are those the things that could help you? Are the things you're saying, no, God, I'm not with it. Are those the things that could change your life for the better? Think about this. And are the things that you're saying no to really the right things? So think about what is getting your yes in your no in your life. And finally, last question. What if you have broken promises to others? I mean, what if you have? What if you're like, Eric, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I hear what Jesus is saying. We need to be trustworthy, yada, yada. Get it, get it, got it. Be smart when I say yes and no to, to identify my purpose in life, got it. But I've already broken someone's heart because I was not faithful with a promise. What do I do now? And I want to totally, you know, I, I resonate with that. I get that. I understand that. We've all been there. We've all got broken promises that we've made to people. I just want to challenge you to do this. Admit it, apologize, and then act on it. There are some promises you can't go back to just because life has moved on. But there are some, when, when you go back and admit it and apologize, guess what? It's not going to be new information. They're going to know exactly what you're talking about. But I want to challenge you don't live in the tension of broken promises without ever trying to restore what God can restore. Identify the fact that if you've broken a promise, if you've broken someone's heart, recognize it, deal with it, be honest, and have the courage to walk into the tension and just say, I'm sorry. And see what God does in healing that relationship. It was the end of Jesus' earthly life. Jesus is starting to recognize that uh, his life on this earth is coming to an end. And he takes uh, Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is processing the fact that he's getting ready to be crucified. And he says, guys, I just want you to wait right here and I'm going to go pray and I'm going to talk to my heavenly father. And the scripture actually says that he was, sorrow to the, he was sorrowful to the point of death. It actually says he was sweating. He was in such inner turmoil. He was sweating drops of blood in this moment as he's praying to God. And he's essentially asking God, God is the only way that people can be saved from their sins is by me being crucified on the cross. That's essentially what he was asking. God, is this the only way? Is this cup of suffering the only way that this whole thing can happen? Because you may or may not have read much of the scriptures, but when Jesus started his earthly ministry, he said, 
For the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who were lost. And many times he would predict the fact that he would die and the Son of Man would be lifted up and he would call all men to him. So he's sitting there in the garden and he's in pain and he's recognizing he's about to die. He's sweating drops of blood and he's praying, God, is this the only way? And then he says, but God, not my will, your will. And here's what you need to take away from that experience. Jesus could have gone and gotten a condo on the Sea of Galilee and lived a nice life. Had a wonderful teaching ministry, (laughs) drew crowds. But here's what he chose to do. He chose to be faithful to a promise when he wanted to quit. He chose to walk into the tension, into the pain, into the suffering, knowing that it was coming for you and for me. And this, and for this reason, is why we ask the, or is why we tell each other that Jesus can be trusted. Because in the, in the very one moment of his life when he could have taken the easy route, he said, I'm walking into the pain, I'm walking into the suffering, because I'm gonna die for the sins of the world and the people that I love. This is why we say Jesus can be trusted because he laid it all on the line for you and he laid it all on the line for me. So my question for you is you think about you becoming trustworthy and being careful of what you say yes to and no to, I want you to realize that the backdrop of your life and the backdrop of history, you have a savior who stared down the worst situation anybody ever could, was crucified on the cross and held up his end of the promise. When it was tough, And just because it's tough for you and me doesn't mean we get out of our promises. God invites us in. He invites us to be people of our word because we have a savior who kept his word. I wanna pray for you and I'm gonna pray for me. And my prayer for you is that if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, This is why we are so, so in love with him and so just so adamant that people need a relationship with him because he is the only one who can keep his promises. And we want to be like him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so much that you fulfill your promises to us. Thank you, God, that you are not a fickle human being, that when times get tough, we often reevaluate all of our commitments. And most of the time, we'll find a way out because we are fickle and broken and we need you, Jesus. Give us wisdom to say yes and no to the things in our life that call us to a higher purpose, Jesus. Help us to be the kind of people that will just simply say yes or no. Help us to do what we say we do 
or help us to, you know, do what we say, say what we do so that we can earn the trust of others and be a witness for you. And Jesus, ultimately, thank you that when you could have walked away, you chose to step into the suffering to uphold your promise to lead the way for us to be our Savior. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.